like. Yeah. <laughs> rage. It's like so much rage. No, I, 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 I logged into Discord last night and I immediately came into my friend just screeching like as loud as possible. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> hang <no>. up. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a good screech. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> hello, welcome to the Black and Animated Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hello, everyone. I am. <laughs> I'm like, hello, long pause. <laughs> hello, long pause. <laughs> um, I'm one of your hosts, Way. And I'm your other host, Bree. And today. We're gonna climb some trees. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. I like being silly. You know how we do. Yeah, that's true. We got a little bit of silly at the top. Seriousness yeah. in the middle. Serious in the middle. Ice cream. Politics. <laughs> Politics and ice cream. Ice cream at the end? Yeah, ice yeah. cream at the end. I like ice cream at the end. It's gonna be a treat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who is this cool new mysterious voice? Ooh. Hello. <laughs> this mysterious voice is Christina Halstead. <gasps> hey, Christina Halstead. Hey, I can't snap, but if oh, I, there I, you go. I can't either. It's <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> golf clap. Yeah, like, golf or do the Dumbledore. Clap. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. Clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can feel the awkward in the air when she does it. <laughs> just, just awkward. Just pass <laughs> out. It's wonderful. Hey, how are you doing, Christina? I'm yeah. okay. I'm fine. And why are you here today? <laughs> I'm here to talk about, I guess, my career. <gasps> yes. And the fact that I'm of a darker tone. <gasps> at the same time. Yes. Look at that. You can do that at the same time? <laughs> Mind-blowing. Oh <laughs> just, this just in. This <laughs> <laughs> just in. Brown people can do cool careers. <laughs> at the same time as being brown. Wow. Astounding. Um, so, and the career that you are in, uh, or the role that you play... Role that you thing I do employ. during the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing I do when I when I leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> that thing that brings in a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So You're a technical director. Yes. I'm a technical director. Yes, at Disney Television Animation. So, uh, okay, what is a technical director? That's what my favorite that? question because it's also the most common. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what that means. Like, oh my. Well, if you ask my in-laws, I'm a director of the entire company. So <laughs> Directly with 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 everyone. No, yeah. you, you tell, <laughs> on every show. You tell, every show. You tell Michael Mouse what to do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or, call Mikey Mouse. Mikey Mouse. <laughs> like, oh boy, Christina, what are we gonna do today? I, I, I literally call him my rodent overlord. Like, <laughs> yes, that's rodent right. overlord. You can hear, you can hear oh, down the hallway. Like, no, 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 I'm working, I'm working. I swear. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> no, okay. So a technical director, technically it's a post-production job. We direct the text, so to speak, but it sounds like it sounds like we have we're more in charge of things than we really are. What we do is we take it's closest to animation you can get in this industry right now without actually doing animation. Because mm-hmm. you're getting your animation from overseas, like Korea, Philippines, Canada, if you're talking about Mercury, um, you get your animation from overseas. Rather than send it back, which would cost money, mm-hmm. they give it to us so we can handle things that need to be fixed. Like, let's say they want to change the background, the art director takes the background, fixes what he needs to, we put it back into the shot. We know the programming that the animation was made in, in this case being Toon Boom Harmony. Mm-hmm. We take that animation, we fix it up, we change the timing, we change a bad drawing, we redirect if something was in the storyboards that wasn't put in properly and they don't want to send it back, we fix it. And then that's just the art side of it. There's a second half of it. If we were just compositors, that's all we would do. But we're the technical directors, so our other job 
is to take all the files, make sure they're all in the right order, then we take all of the frames that we've been um, you know, exporting out, we compile them into another program, we add the audio into it. We didn't do the audio, There's, they have their own audio people for that. We're just given the audio stems, which is the final audio, to put into the program so that all the channels are in where their proper place. We make sure they're timed properly with visuals and you know that boop sound they hear when it's counting down. Mm -hmm. That's for us to tell to make sure the audio's in sync with the picture. There's oh, a little okay. visual flash that happens right at that boop. So we're the ones who make sure all that's fine. We make sure the text list is there for overseas when they have to put in like Mandarin or in, in Hindi, or like all the different like logos, because we don't do all the different logos for different countries. They do. So we have okay. to provide them the visuals without the English over it. Mm. And that goes for any kind of visuals that are story related. We also have to make sure there's a textless version of that so that can be put in, in other languages, French or Spanish or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then all that gets compiled into our final ProRes and then we deliver it to the channel. Oh, interesting. So wait, is that like um, if there's, uh, I don't know, like a do not enter sign or something in like a land or something, if, you have to go in and like make sure. Yeah, we have to. It's, if it's the background, we got to go in the Photoshop and clean it up. Um, or we, if it's in Harmony itself, we go in and we change the colors around so they just disappear. Okay. And that's an entirely different set of frames than the frames that actually were the main frames in, that would be in English that would release on the Disney Channel or XD here. In the yeah. States. Provide those in like a package. Of like, yeah, okay, it, it just here's for this country. This is for that. Country. Exactly. Okay. So those are lumped into the end of the episode, so they can be moved around when they need to be. And that's mm -hmm. that's standard practice across the industry of making sure you have that text list for other countries to use. Mm -hmm. um, and so then that that goes out. And if um, there's any QC, we get back like, oh, we found dust or this, that, and the other. We fix it, and then it goes out again. Now QC that um, that quality, quality check. Control. Quality check or quality control, whichever. Control. So it usually, is, sometimes it's within a company, sometimes it's a third-party company, but basically they're going through the show frame by frame looking for inconsistencies, looking for things that don't match, looking for, in our case, our show is still actually drawn on paper, mm -hmm. and then put scanned in into Harmony. Some people go straight digital, but because mm -hmm. it's a scan on paper, you do literally get the same dust problem that you got in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago when it was everything was done on paper and then scanned in on zero graphs or whatever yeah so like, how do you catch that do you, you like are you like going through like frame um, by frame? some people like we have people on our show that are really really good at catching it as it's going at 24 frames a second mm -hmm. um and sometimes you can see it moving along sometimes it's just a speck and like a dark speck in a really bright you know area like on an eyeball we are characters on big city greens they have huge eyeballs and they're very white so if there's a speck in there they're gonna see it probably <laughs> right mm -hmm. especially some of the people on our show they were really good at spotting it sometimes i have to zoom in to even find it mm -hmm. but yeah and then we remove the spec and then it's cleaned up and goes we try and do all the all of that before we send it out for the first time in general mm -hmm. so you guys are like the last line of defense we are the last people to touch the show mm -hmm. like the visual at least the visual part of the show before it goes out mm -hmm. and well, yeah so is uh like uh, you're talking about that um like catching dust prints off of the the scans of the um, traditional mm. like animation, um, what uh, this is the part of the process that's like before digital inking or like where where's it's this all post it, right? It, it's post, but the dust comes in when it's being in production when it's happened in the um. drawing. So the way the way at least our show does it, mm -hmm. the company that that does it um, overseas, they draw it on paper. And then they scan it in once they have the clean lines. And then someone else within that company colors it. And we get the final frames. We get all the final frames that they produce back. So the show mm. is quote unquote done and produced when it comes back to us. But the directors, the retake people, the sound people, they're going to want to change where the dialogue hits. They're going to want to change 
maybe the lighting doesn't look right maybe there's just a downright error in the animation something was the exposures weren't put in right so a character skips or jumps randomly where they shouldn't be jumping mm-hmm. and that's our job to go in and fix that so it's basically it's not so much reanimating the episode you're just select shots are called out and we fix those shots okay mm. so there's there's takes from overseas and there's takes from la Mm. and ours is the LA side and then occasionally we do have to send it back and when they then they give it back to us and then we if there's still fixes we fix them some things you get a split where there's a creative fix that goes back overseas and then there's something they wanted to change but it's on our side and then we change that after the shot comes back to us mm-hmm. we generally have about two weeks per uh, two 11 minutes mm. so 22 so generally speaking and is this more of a practice for 2D than CG animation, or is it like I a practice all around? I don't know how technical directing works for CG. I know there's still it still happens. You can watch movies and shows, and there's still technical directors. I assume, I mean, we have 3D shows like Elena um, and Mickey Rose the Racers. Those are overseas, and they come back to us. I assume it's along the same lines where they're fixing animation things that don't need to go back over. Mm-hmm. Like if the company, if we send them storyboards and they send something back and it doesn't match the storyboards. That's on them. Right. If they decide to make a creative change on our side that we can do at, an, at our studio, then we do it here. Mm-hmm. So same thing goes for CG as far as I understand. Um, I have a little CG, but not enough to be a proficient like technical director at it. Mm. I can like do a little ZBrush like model. So okay. nothing any pre like post-production. Um, I think uh, I just want to quickly touch on, because um, I, <laughs> I don't think we said this at all. We said you're a technical director. director. Direct director. 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 Oh, goodness. So director. <laughs> um, Super high school level technical But director. I feel like we're kind of like sprinkling details in. You're currently at DTVA, Disney Television Animation. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Working Russian. on Big City Greens. Big City right? Greens, yep. Okay, yep. cool. So, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we said that flat out. Yeah, I probably should explain the show like, I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> it shows on Disney TV or Disney Channel. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> it runs on Disney XD currently. Okay. Mm, okay. And uh, right now we're actually between our first and second season. We just actually, I just delivered the second, the last episode of the first season this week. Oh wow! Yeah, congrats! And that final delivery, yeah. season one. It's done. And then uh, we're waiting for uh, stuff to come back from overseas. In a couple of weeks, we'll be back on to the next season and more adventures with the Green family. Get Yay. those adventures. Yeah. Get that <laughs> it's a fun show. It's really popular. It's it's cute. It's, it's it feels gratifying to get like. A text from my dad, who's you know seventy like four, and he's like still watching it because he watch, he wants to watch the show I work on, Aww. or he or the um, or we'll get like my brother will text me and say my niece and nephew are watching Big City Greens, yes. or <laughs> I even have streamer friends that are like I watched that episode the other day when I hop on their stream or something like that. It's really fun. It's cute. It's it's nice to know people are actually watching the show and it's a popular show and mm-hmm. you feel good about it that you contributed somehow to something, you know. Yeah. I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Sure. Let's go back to the past yeah. and talk about how you got here to working in the industry. Because you said you're originally from Detroit, Michigan, correct? Yeah. What called you out to being like, I want to do technical directing? Like, was it always there? Oh or was God. it something that you like <laughs> discovered like, hey, this so is a pretty cool thing? I got here in the weirdest way possible. Like, some people grow up wanting to draw. I hated art as a kid. Didn't start drawing until high school. Mm-hmm. hated art went in the choir rather than do art <laughs> <laughs> um it's hard to explain because i for a long time i did love animation i mean i always loved animation i just didn't know i wanted to do it so i ended up doing um i loved animals and i love so I, originally i wanted to be a zoologist or a zookeeper or a veterinarian i went to michigan state 
for veterinary medicine for my first year of college, year wow. and a half of college. Then I realized I really hated chemistry. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm done. Happens like I thought you could say, I really hate animals. I'm like, no, what? No. <laughs> How did this happen? No, that's all. Like, I, that's all. Sudden one eighty. No, 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 no. I still love animals. Good. Really, still love animals. Good, Just good. hate. You wouldn't be on here if you didn't like it. No, I, <laughs> no, I hate the things that lead you to the animals, which is like really difficult. So like I was starting to see like so I started drawing in high school. We had a like a, a English class, and they're like do some somehow do like a shakespeare thing and i did um i did the the hamlet monologue you know Mm. uh to be or not to be but i actually ended up drawing a comic of a bunch of animals doing it and that was like one of the first times i'd really drawn and like applied myself and you know i look at it now i'm sure it's just god awful who knows lord knows where it is (laughs) my parents basement somewhere hopefully Uh buried in molding (laughs) (laughs) but so I went to college, was going to go to pre-vet. I was actually in the minority science. I actually got into a, the minority art science school within Michigan State, which was the Lyman Briggs School of Science, mm-hmm. which was for only, you know, black or Asian or uh, Indian or any, any of any, just non-white, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard, though, but I enjoyed it because it was, it was fun. It was challenging. Um, but when I started getting into chemistry, I never even got to biology. I think if I had gotten past chemistry and gotten to biology, I would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> and Science I, is rough. And Science pro- is real. And the, pro- <laughs> and the problem was, my notebooks are full of doodles and not full of chemistry notes. Mm. So Science passing the class is hard. <laughs> yeah. No, there were, there were doodles like, so this, you know, there were, my characters are pointing out, you know, random things and this and that and the other, the notes, but I was missing notes while drawing the characters pointing things out in notes. Ah, uh, yeah. So after like struggling with that for a while, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go into animation. This is after, see, this is after, so this is 2003, 2004-ish when I was in sciences. And I, this is after Spirit, Silent Cimarron came on, after, uh, right? Yeah, after, uh, I fell in love with James' backstory immediately. Um, that was after Lilo and Stitch. This was, this was the year where Lilo and Stitch, Spirit, and Spirit Away all fought for the Oscar. It was actually Spirit Away that won the Oscar that year. 2003? 2002. 2002. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it, right in that, and this was after Mulan and all these things. Now the, the Renaissance had just kind of started wrapping up. Mm-hmm. And I got interested in drawing again, and I've been doodling this whole time, and so I'm like, screw it, I'm gonna go into art and try and do animation. Follow your heart! Follow so, so I, yeah, so I stayed in, I stayed at MSU for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, the first part of that was, the first year was like sciences, and the rest of it was studio arts. Mm-hmm. Didn't really teach me animation. Um, a little bit, but mostly CG, and I was like, still in 2D. So what I ended up doing was, I ended up enrolling in the, um, uh, College for Creative Studies in Detroit, which is down by like Wayne State. It's like it's like in the art district of Detroit, mm-hmm. um, near the DIA, the Detroit Institute of Arts. Mm-hmm. So I went to school there for three years because I already gotten some of my, you know, the boring, you know, just real stuff out of the way. So I just mm-hmm. went straight into I went into illustration for one year and then animation for two, mm-hmm. and then graduated from that in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. So um, and from there, that led to storyboarding, which is what I thought I was going to be doing. And because that was the only thing you could draw in. Mm-hmm. As far as you understood, there was character design, which you had to be exceptional at, which I was not. And I wanted to do things that were close to animation, which was storyboard. Mm-hmm. I knew there wasn't a lot of 2D out there either anyway. That was wrong, of course. But it was it, at the time, it was hard to tell when you're in Detroit and everything's in L.A. Right. I had no idea what the industry was really doing. So I went into storyboarding. I ended up, this was also at the big boom of Michigan's film industry when we had okay. a tax incentive, which was like 23%, oh, wow. something really Ooh. decently high. 
and people were every, yeah mm-hmm. well that's where they filmed a bunch of spider-man stuff they had a oh. huge place up in pontiac for doing films mm-hmm. there was films popping up all over the first transformer film was filmed in detroit um some of the matrix films were done there like it was all over the place um and then what ended up happening was i worked for a in-house uh cg live action place they were doing a film um that fell through in the shiestiest way possible that was my first introduction to how the industry actually works which is kind of left a bad taste in your mouth for a little bit (laughs) um I got screwed, yeah, but it was it was a good learning experience. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I was also waiting for my um, now husband and boyfriend to wrap up mm-hmm. his last year. He was one year behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he graduated, we saved up and we came out in 2011 to L.A. And we were in Glendale for a little bit and Burbank for the rest of the time. And so, but that was me looking at storyboarding, not finding a whole lot tried you know talent agencies that wasn't working out i mm-hmm. kind of started realizing i didn't have the chops for it mm-hmm. it was it was difficult i didn't think i could do it so what ended up happening was um first my husband started getting into harmony mm-hmm. uh he started finding little animation jobs in there because he never wavered from wanting to do 2d animation that was mm-hmm. always what he wanted to do and so he started picking up projects then they started needing help so i started picking up projects we started working with a lot of harmony products that led to us talking to Harmony a lot at SIGGRAPH and CTN and things like that. Okay. We developed a relationship with Toon Boom and people within Toon Boom, which then they started giving us work. We actually started doing beta testing for the programming. We started awesome. doing R&D for them. Ooh. Um, what is R&D? Research and development. Oh. Um, there was a group that wanted to see if they could do a woodblock painting, but make it animated. So we had two paintings to work off of. We did this difficult-ass animation in about three weeks. We also did a video game for them, a video game demo to show off how Harmony worked in Unity. Uh, So we did a video game in about three weeks and then showed it off at... Uh, the Wait. GDC. It was just a level. Just one. Like, oh, okay. It was like a little platforming like, yeah, level. Oh, it was like one whole thing. No, it was more of a proof of concept. Yeah, it was a proof of concept. But all the artwork was on my husband and me. Mm-hmm. And then we had one programmer. It was mostly my husband's project. But I was mm-hmm. helping on animation and getting some of the side critters done and stuff like that. So we went off together to go do that. At this point, I was starting to do tutorials for Harmony. Mm. Um, so, like, somewhere in the back half of, like, the Toon Boom website, a lot of my tutorials are still there. Um, we found a couple. Did you really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're back there. I did a couple of things for them, and that got us in good with Toon Boom, but that's because we were their L.A. couple. Mm-hmm. And we were always we were, we were, we were always ava- we were always available for them to, like, they needed something done, and that kind of helped us get noticed in the industry. So one day when we were showing for them at SIGGRAPH in 2015, um awesome fellow by the name of Mike Morris came up to us. Um, he oh, was... I've heard of his yeah. name. Floating around. He's he's well-known in the industry. Super friendly guy. Super awesome. Uh, has a habit of just finding, like, waifs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just animation waifs that have nowhere to be. And mm-hmm. he's like, he came up to us like, you guys really know Harmony. Where are you guys at? And we're like, nowhere. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I know someone. Let's talk. And eventually he got us um, in to talk to our future boss and then like six months later after like an interview we had at disney i got in the nine months after that ben got in both as technical directors because at this point yeah at this point we've been using so much harmony and that's what disney uses Mm -hmm. that we knew how to build rigs we knew how to run rigs we knew how to run the programming and that was kind of where it went from there so yeah that's how i ended up so i went from storyboarding to i went from pre-production to post-production like with a little bit of production in the middle and just kind of switched all the way over but it's a steady work. 
Yeah. So, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, holy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really weird, weird roundabout way to get into the industry. Yeah. I mean, hey, like, there's no right way to do it. Everybody's story is always different. Like, right. People, and, some yeah. people in, like, different professions entirely, and they're like, actually, I want to do this thing. And it was, we were, it wasn't who we know, it wasn't what we had worked on. It was basically how we knew that. It was through the programming, not through other, other projects. It was just purely that we knew the programming, and that's what yeah. they needed. Mm-hmm. And everything else, you know, Disney's got the proprietary stuff here and there. So everything else we learned there. Like, I didn't know Linux. Now I know Linux, but a little bit it's what I need to know. But you get you gain skills as you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still work with Toon Boom. Um, in fact, I've met people. Uh, we had a thing last March at Nickelodeon where they did a workshop and we were doing some teaching there. And um, I met someone who would been using my tutorials and um she's like i know your voice i've learned a lot of stuff from you it's been so helpful mm. and she actually just recently started working at disney as a technical director as well wow so awesome. I, I ended up looking at her portfolio review at you like indirectly mentored someone indirectly <laughs> yeah. mentored and then, I also, and then cool. recommended because her yeah. portfolio was amazing when i was mm-hmm. at ctn and i told my boss about it i'm like hey if Look her up when if we need new people, and she just got in recently, so I'm so excited for her. That's, and oh. she's extremely talented and knows the programming inside out. So that's the one way to get into a studio. One way is by pure raw talent, mm-hmm. right. and the other way is to know programming, know mm-hmm. what that niche is. Mm. It's super important. So as a, a technical director looking at someone's portfolio, like what is it in someone's portfolio that you, you see and it's like, whoa, this person would be a good technical she, director? She showed off like. It was fun. Like she had the technical skills for Harmony. Like her artwork was great too. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that she had in Harmony, like I could tell she knew how to build a rig. Mm-hmm. And I like I said, this was my second or third time meeting her. So I'd already knew that she had been studying and trying to improve. And I could see the improvement from what I had seen in March mm-hmm. to what I saw in November. Mm-hmm. And her and I know she had. I think she had some time at Titmouse. I think she had some time in a few other local studios. So I knew she was also working. Yeah. Right. So the fact that she had it wasn't experience though it was what she had in her portfolio. But I in the back of my mind I knew that she knew how to hold the job. I knew she knew how to work properly with others. Mm-hmm. I've seen met her some of her coworkers at the Nickelodeon thing. So I knew all about that stuff. So, um, but what she showed in her portfolio, she showed the rigs moving. She mm-hmm. showed the process of animation. She showed some rough earlier animation as opposed to the final animation after she had fine tuned it using the rigged animation. Mm-hmm. She showed she knew how to build properly or at least build in a way that made it functional. It, she built it for the scene. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can build a rig like a, and when I say build, I mean multiple piece character rig where it's not just hand drawn over and over again where it's mm-hmm. many, many, many pieces all working together in a system like a skeletal structure. Kind of like what you get in CG, right? But it's a bunch of pieces, like like paper cutout. Sometimes mm. it's called cutout animation. Build animation, cutout animation can be interchanged as far as how you refer to it. Mm. But I could tell she knew how to build it. I could tell she knew how to move it. And in many cases, if you're a technical director on a build show, you have to know how to fix it because sometimes you move it and it just goes and like the arm <laughs> is suddenly like flying off somewhere else, or the the pattern, the texture is gone. Mm-hmm. You have to know. That's what technical directing is like. Ninety percent troubleshooting and ninety percent. Mm-hmm creative problem solving mm-hmm. that's a lot of it is because it's like it's composite it's doing a composite work too okay so i could tell that she knew her way around the the programming and if you know your way around the programming even if you come across a problem you've never seen before if you know how to work the tools you're going to find a solution it might not be the same solution the other person did but as long as it looks right on the screen that's all that really matters mm. so and i could tell that she had that 
And that's what we're looking at. That's what a good portfolio should have. Like when I did my portfolio, I showed that I knew how to build. I showed the network. We have Harmony uses a node-based. Mm -hmm. So I showed the network. I showed my organization skills, which is really important because you get things from overseas that are all over the place, and you're like, this is hell. <laughs> I hate this. So do you like just show, um, like, I'm guessing it would be in a demo reel type situation? It would be, so yeah, yeah like I, I saw for demo reel. This okay. isn't really something that you would... I mean, if you're talking to someone in person, yeah, you could pop open Harmony and, like, click through some things. But right. to show it in to show it in a reel is really useful. Like, I mm. showed some of my R&D stuff I did for Toon Boom when I was did my reel that got me into Disney. And I picked a, a part of the horse that I had been working on, and I basically kept hitting a button that ran it up the chain so you could see all the pieces that were connected and how they were connected. And then I had them move so you could see how, that I knew how it had moved. So you could see the side of the screen that was doing the movement, and you could see the side of the screen where the actual character was reacting. Okay. So having that split, which Harmony does, it's all modules, so it's, it just split it automatically, but it's having that, showing that not just the finished animation, but how it was built, and the proof that it was built is really, really useful. Mm -hmm. That means you know your way around programming. Right, because oh. you can show like a final moving piece of animation, but it's like... All right, I see it final and done, but I right. don't know how you did it and if you understand exactly. why you did the things you could Yeah, you know, it could not be yours, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to be shady yeah, about it. Yeah, it might not even be yours. If you want to be shady about it, they'll mm -hmm. be, you know, the number one tip, don't be shady. <laughs> don't be shady. Don't be shady. You can fake it till you make it, but there's a limit to faking it, and then you get found out. Right. And that's bad. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's definitely reminding me of, like, uh, 3D... 3D rigging, demo like, reels, it, like as you're describing, because yeah. I'm like, I remember seeing a couple of 3D rigging demo reels, and I'm like, oh, that's basically 3D rigging, except it's 2D. Yeah, it, it is. A lot of build shows are literally that. It's, oh. it's, you've, you've put a bone skeletal structure in it, at least as far as nodes show, you've got a bone system set up with pegs that are used to move the elements of the character and you can swap those elements out, um, or perhaps you have deformers on it that are bending the artwork instead of just having it be like a 90 degree angle or any kind of like full angle um, articulation. You could have it bend maybe, but you have to show how you built it and show that it bends the way you want it to. As long as the character performs the task it's needed to in that particular scene. It mm. almost doesn't matter how it's built, but it's nice if they're built well because if you're not the only one using that rig, everyone else can use it. Right. So, yeah. Now being a technical director, um, that's a profession that I mean, I didn't even know was a thing for a long time. I didn't either. And <laughs> is it, and um, like being a woman of color, is it a mainly like male dominated? No, there are a lot of women in it. At least at Disney, we're almost half and half. I'd say. Oh, that's nice. And uh, awesome. I think I'm I'm the only black uh, person in our, in our group. I think, but there are um, Asian, Filipino. Uh, we had a Indian technical director for a bit, or she was she was part of the technical side. She worked with the technical directors. Mm. Um, she was in there for a minute. Um, she had to travel so far, so she actually had a family. Right. So she ended up, but she did help. She did a lot of helpful things before she left. So I'm sad she's gone because she was really sweet. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of people of color um, within the technical directors. It's a pretty varied group, actually, which is mm -hmm. really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, but as far as women in women of color, there aren't a lot of as far as technical directors i'm the only one mm -hmm. that is black mm -hmm. so but yeah um and then within the show like if you're talking about crew 
there's a few black people or mixed people in our group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, technical directors aren't considered crew, but I consider myself crew just because I'm on the show. Yeah, you're, you're part of the crew. Wait, oh, why, the crew. Or why aren't you considered crew? Because technically, crew is you work for the show, whereas technical directors work for the studio. So, oh, for instance, okay. like when the show ends or when the show goes on hiatus, you're sent out to do whatever you're going to do for that time you're on hiatus or find a new show. Mm-hmm. For us, we're employees, technically, so we are, like, editors. We're put onto another show oh, okay. until our show... For instance, I'll probably be... Come next week, I'll be on helping on another show until my show needs me again, and then I'm back to my show. So that means the technical director is not part of the guild, then? No, we're part of the guild. No, oh, we, are. we are guild. Okay. No, we are, we are, we are tag. It's mm-hmm. just we are... Good. <laughs> we are not like it's not we're, we're in the same category as storyboarders and all and, and, and character designers but as far as the, where we fall within the company at least this company mm-hmm. we are not considered technically crew we're considered more staff and we bounce around a lot like oftentimes if our show is like light mm-hmm. and another show is literally on fire they'll bring a few TDs onto that show help out that show and then when our show needs us again we're not like we're moving either we're just staying saying put we're not relocating our desks or anything we're just helping out temporarily and then right. we're back in they'll like send you the files you're like okay yeah yeah because we, we can, we can yeah because we can all see the files that we need to we have access to all the show's files um so if even if and it's kind of cool because sometimes if you know someone who did a cool shot in another show say like started something really cool and started the first of evil we can pull upon the harmony Library and actually find that effect or even look up that file, see how they did it, and apply it to our own show if it's applicable and ask the TD who did that, hey, how'd you do it? So there's a lot of knowledge sharing amongst each other and it helps out so much. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's good that it's collaborative. Very collaborative. Yeah, nice. Well, Disney, that was kind of the start of the collaborative everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Disney was really keen on everyone working together. Mm. How long have you been working at Disney Television? I've been there since September of 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is going into my almost two full years. Happy two years. Yeah. Happy two years. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is my first show. It's my second show. Billy Dilly was my first show. Uh-huh. Billy Dilly. That was... It's it's, it's not well. It wasn't. I guess it wasn't overly critically well received. Unfortunately, so mm. you can find it like Saturday nights at like three in the morning if you're really looking oh, for man. it. <laughs> oh no! It was it was a good for it was a good starter show for me. It mm. wasn't too it wasn't too difficult. Um, you kind of learned how hierarchies worked within the studio. You kind of learned how to work with easy people, how to work with difficult people, mm-hmm. how to overcome um, what the studio wanted. Because our, our that particular show, what the studio wanted often was not what the show creator. And the show, people who ran the show wanted. So learning, kind of take, keeping an ear out for who wanted what. And the kind of, sometimes taking our own initiative to figure out the middle ground. Was often something we had to do for that show. That was, show was And in some ways that show was a little more difficult than, than Big City. Because Big City, everyone seems to be on the same mindset. And that one, there were some clashes of the uppers. That often too many cooks in the kitchen. Exactly, <laughs> too many cooks in the too kitchen. Many cooks. Too many cooks. That's I have PTSD from that video. That video gave me the like not nightmares, but that video caused me just so much anxiety watching it. Yeah, oh my yeah, god, that is a very anxiety. That is an anxiety riddle mm-hmm. video. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was real when I first saw it. I was like. What is this on TV? That's oh, why you gotta respect. Oh, that's why you gotta respect like, Adult Swim. Adult Swim is just 
that kind of dark, that kind of like dark energy that you want <laughs> in anime. Sometimes you need it in the mm-hmm. world. They're a good example of using using that kind of evil forces for fun. Yeah. There's some there's some creepy videos out there. Have you, there, have you yeah. seen some of their other creepy videos? I've I've seen um what is that one like commercial for the uh sleeping pills or is a commercial for like some nasal stuff and the lady takes it as she's driving down the street and, and she starts, sees herself she starts seeing herself and yep, hallucinating yep, that one car accident and I'm like what? they drive at each other and yeah, they end up fighting I I don't remember what that one video was the call of that there and then there was another one where the what? girl was like sinking into the floor did you see and that one was I didn't really see creepy that, that one's one really these, creepy where are these adults women or stitches? these are like or? adult swim creepy pasta short films they did and they're really the, the girl sinking in the floor is just super creepy um because they're just seeing different she's points in a of sunken view. place oh man it's, i haven't seen i haven't watched adult swim in a really long time so yeah. well, this was a like, while ago this, oh, really? these are these are fairly hey, oldish really yeah these are fairly <laughs> oldish shorts that they did and i mean mm-hmm. they were like they weren't even like put on the tv except for too many cooks like they were on like youtube oh. and stuff they put them in oh. weird places for you to find Oh. They're messed up. Yeah, they're, they're, you're like. It's creepy uh, pasta, man. It's real creepy. It is creepy pasta. It's creepy. I remember back when Adult Swim just had those beautiful, like, mountain backgrounds or, like, a, a, mm-hmm. a lavish, like, desktop screen background with cool hip hop playing. They still do the music. Yeah, they, they still, still do that? They still okay. do the thing where they, they have like, a compilation of music every season that they'll put out for new artists to try and get new artists after oh, yeah, that. They thought it was right. cool. They that's still really do cool. that. And I respect them hard for that. Yeah. That, and I remember they, when they started doing that. I was like, well, then they do that, that big event that they do around the, the country. I still yeah. haven't been to it. I'm so mad about myself for not being able to, when it came to L.A., like, October, Isn't I think. is it coming back? It does. It, they make rounds, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that they did them around the country. Because I remember yeah. it was, like, in Atlanta, the, right? There was one in, well, yeah, there was one in Atlanta. There was one in Seattle. I think there was one possibly in Texas. There was definitely the one in L.A. that was back in, like, late October, I think. Oh, cool. Um, And they were showing exclusive stuff. They had the music. They had the food. They had the weird Rick Mobile, which I did see driving down the road once. <laughs> I saw the Rick Mobile driving down the road once. like, awesome. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, no. I saw them like that is amazing. Get swifty. Get swifty. Oh, I should no, wear my get swifty or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious uh, about the differences between doing, I guess, puppet technical directing and like doing traditional anime. Because Big City mm. Greens is traditional. It's traditional. But you, you were talking a lot about like. Um, uh, building bone structures and like uh, hierarchies and yep. do you does that still apply on a traditional show or sometimes is it, like, very it different? does oh really? there are a couple times where i'm like i don't want to draw this so i built <laughs> a quickie quick like arm rig oh, and then okay. animated that to like and those creators don't know unless i like specifically point out that i'm not going to tell them like cause I don't, <laughs> they, they don't need to know how i did it it, it just needs to look right they don't right. care as long as the as long as the end is the result they wanted? They don't right. care how you got there. Right. Mm. So they're, they're not cons- they don't. They're not really concerned. Yeah. With the, like, so there was this like is the how. It's just yeah. So there was like a there's like a, a Billy Dilly scene where he had like a mirror in his hand and originally he's just like I don't like this and he just kind of like pushed the mirror away. They wanted him to throw the mirror down, mm-hmm. and that was not animated and we didn't have time to send it back. So I took the arm that I had, I cut it up, I had the mirror, I had the arm, and I had the shoulder. And then I just animated him. I, I took, I basically took away the arm because a lot of times if there's a movement in the animation, that's on its own layer. Mm-hmm. If the body's held still and the arm is moving, even if it's hand drawn, that arm is its own layer, so they're not redrawing the body and over and over again. So right. I 
turned off the arm layer and I put in my rigged arm and I had him smash the mirror down. And it was a rigged arm. It wasn't draw, I didn't hand, I only drew it once and animated the pieces. Mm. And then composited it so that you couldn't see the lines inside it. Just clever compositing here and there to make it look like it was a hand-drawn piece of artwork. And then that was it. And when you say compositing, does that involve like After Effects? Is this all Harmony? This is all Harmony, very rarely. In that show, the only reason I used After Effects in that particular show was because a lot of times they liked their transitions to be soft-edged. Mm-hmm. And Harmony at the time didn't have any kind of soft edge thing that was really easy. Especially, they, he loved clock wipes. The guy who was in charge of the show loved, like, the clock wipe. Mm-hmm. And he always wanted to be a soft edge. And mm-hmm. Harmony just didn't have the ability to do a clock wipe. I could do the soft edge, mm-hmm. but I couldn't do the clock wipe. Mm-hmm. So that we'd have to um, send the frames. We'd export the frames, bring them into After Effects, and then just do the wipe there. And then render those frames out as the proper format. And they would just be in the file with their other frames, and they would just go out with the rest of the show as if, as if it had come out of Harmony. Mm-hmm. So that was again, that's the technical side of things. Where you are you're literally wrangling files to make sure everything acts right, and then it goes out. So, um, yeah, that's that. Then that case, so yeah, in sometimes doing a little bit of a tiny rigged thing in the middle of like I sometimes I'll rig the pupils to move separately from the eyeballs if I need them to track something rather than exchange each and every frame because then if they want to retime it then I got to go back and change all those frames all over again I don't want to do that so it must be it would be way easier if the pupils were just if I did the work sometimes it, it helps to do the heavier work in the front end if you're probably pretty aware that it's going to be changed again mm-hmm. save yourself the trouble of redrawing things again by just building a little quicky quick rig and then off it goes so yeah that's yeah, it's, it's not really cheats it's just quicker, clever ways to get more stuff done. Right. It's like all about right. like efficiency. Efficiency, mm-hmm. yeah. You only have two weeks. Right. From the point where you start working on those files, however many 180 to 210 scenes. I was just about to ask how many like shots do you typically get for like that need corrections? But... Um, it depends. Sometimes there is a background they didn't like and all we're doing is replacing the background. That's Click, 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 you're done. Right. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is like retiming a dialogue, and that can be hard because if the character is moving, then the di- the mouth is attached to the character, which means I have to go in, cut out those mouths, put them on their own layer, fill in the part of the head that had the mouth. Then with that mouth layer, retime that, and then resync the mouth to the moving character. That's the most difficult way. Sometimes the mouth is just on its own layer the entire time, and you just re- you're putting exposures where they need to be to be retimed. Yeah. But sometimes it's you have to just like Frankenstein your scene together to make it work, mm. and that can be that can sometimes a scene can take ten minutes. Sometimes a scene can take a day and a half, depending on what they're asking for, mm. and depending on the length of the scene and just how much surgery you have to do on it to make it to achieve the goal that they wanted. And some of it's cost efficiency. Some of it's just, wouldn't it be cool if? Right. And uh, occasionally you have to push back and be like, hey, I got like 30 other scenes to do. I really can't spend a day on one scene. Mm-hmm. And you, it's, it's a fine line. You have to know your show producers. You have to know your, your retake director. And you have to know what you yourself can do in the time you're given. You have to know your own limits. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of how it goes, though, as far as how much how much of the show comes back for our shows for on our particular production roughly 50 of varying difficulties of just take this blank out right or move these pupils a little bit this way mm-hmm. and like i said or turn this layer off so that the gel they're in the wrong temp they're on the they're on the wrong palette mm-hmm. change the color of the entire scene mm-hmm. so that they're on the right time of day 
Right. Those are pretty common ones too. Yeah. Because we like to do like evening shots where all the colors have a, all the characters have a slight yellowish, like golden yellow gel over them. Yeah. Because it's it's sunset. So things like that. Um, and like I said, it, you know, I go back to just retyping the characters one cycle, which is like awful <laughs> because you have like so many other things to do. So. So after you're making changes uh, to these uh, scenes or shots, um, how is everything, I guess, put back into the episode? Like, is this also a part of your job where you're like making putting um, everything back together, or is this like an editor? It goes the to... editor. So the way it's it's I can I can speak so far because some of it's proprietary, but right. to a certain degree, you have the editor takes each scene as it comes and it's put into um, Avid, which is what they use. Mm-hmm. Um, so the editor can time it out. And then what we usually end up doing from there is we have to um, just, use, if there's no timing changes, we just change it, re-output the frames, and they get those frames and they put in the Avid. The showrunners check it out in the editorial bay before we do a playback. We usually have playback about two days before we deliver, where we just watch it lights down in a color correct screen and we watch the entire episode mm. so before that point they're just watching shots independently in the editorial bay because they've mm. already done and uh, they've already done a run of the show and picked out what they want to retake and that's how we know what our marching orders are for our retakes so once we get all of that um it's it's up to the editors to let us know if there are timing changes so let's say they want the pupils to shift at a certain point but there's also frames cut we get from our assistant editors a kind of layout to tell us where the cuts are. Mm-hmm. So then not only are we reanimating the character, we're also retiming the shots to match what would be in an editorial bay because perhaps it wouldn't have matched up with those cuts in there suddenly. So that's the compositor side of it where we're just retiming but also redoing the art. Mm. And that's... Um, it bas- so basically, it, all the frames are in like a folder within um, our file systems and each scene is individual. And the way, if you ever use a Harmony file, the way the Harmony file comes out is you've got the element folder, which has all the bits and pieces that are in the shot. Then you have the frames folder where it just automatically default in, you know, craps out all your frames into. And then the editors take from that folder. Mm. And that's how everything kind of works. So if okay. we make any changes, it'll show up in editorial bay. Mm-hmm. And that's where they pull their frames from. So the frames kind of don't move around really. They kind of stay where they are and we just change them as we go. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I asked because it's like there's just there's just so many things that you have there, to know how to do. So I'm like, wait, so what are you not doing? Yeah, <laughs> what, what we're doing everything. So you yeah. the show. So what we're not doing is any audio stuff. So obviously they have mm-hmm. audio mixers and audio people for that. We just get the audio. Either we get little wave files from editorial. If it's a lip sync thing, obviously mm-hmm. we need to hear have the audio for that. Because normally when we have the show in front of us mm-hmm. and we're working on each scene, there's no audio. Even if they're talking, most of the time, if it's not a dialogue-related thing, we don't need to know what they're saying. Right. Mm. So when I watch it in playback, things that I saw out of context are suddenly in context. I've been bouncing around the episode front to back, here, there, and everywhere, mm-hmm. without any context for the story, because I wasn't part of pre-production. I don't know what the episode's about. All I have is a title and what I look at from a scene-to-scene basis, and not mm-hmm. in order. So sometimes, I had a ridiculous scene where Cricket and Tilly are reacting to something, and it was funny as hell to me, but I had no context for what was going on. I was just laughing at their expressions mm. and what was going on. The timing of the animation was hilarious to me, but I had no idea what the episode was about. Mm. 
And I didn't realize until the end. And then I, when you see your shots in order, you're like, okay, there's like, a shot oh. I worked on. That's what's happening. That's hilarious. But I had no audio, so I had zero context for what I was looking at. I just all I had to go off of was the the animation. That's so funny. And I, and I my my office mate like looked at me because I was like over there laughing at nothing. So because <laughs> yeah, so and things like that. It it's funny because you. It all gets put in the place like a puzzle at the end when you're in playback and you're like, this is really cool because you didn't know what it was going to look like. And sometimes you're only working on, in the, the way we do it, uh, me and my partner on my show, usually he'll take one minute, I'll take the other. And if the other one needs help or if there's a shot, like, I think he would be better because I know what his strengths are. We've been working together for almost a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. I know what his strengths are and he knows what mine are. And we'll often just chuck a, uh, chuck a shot from one of our... 11 minutes over to the other person mm. because it makes more sense for them to do it. Right. And he does more compositing stuff and I do more artsy stuff. He doesn't even uh, run a tablet really. He, there are things you can do with the mouse that are just fine in Harmony, but for fine drawing stuff, he usually sends that to me because I actually have a Cintiq. Mm. He performs the timing stuff, so if I have a tough dialogue, I give it to him because he's probably going to get it better than I would instead of having to come back to me later because it wasn't quite right. He'll get it mm-hmm. done on the first time and I'll get the art side done on the first time and there's no redoing and and backing up and over all the stuff we already did mm. so interesting i think uh, that's a good point to to make because uh, like as everything is processing through my like there's just so many things that a technical it's, director yeah. does like how do you even manage like what and like knowing that there's at least a partner like Most so you can you could divide your un- work up unless you're like crazy good like i know one show only had one td because it only needed one td it depends oh. on the workload it depends mm-hmm. on how skilled you are how fast you are Depending on what I'm doing, I can be super, super fast, or I can be super, super slow. Depends mm-hmm. on what the shot needs and how many shots and what's going on. And you're an individual. It depends on how your day is going. If you're having a crappy day, you're probably not going to get that much done. It seems like because you guys have a lot of like moving pieces, though, because like uh, Cricket and Tilly and like his family are just going all these like really like wacky hijinks and adventures throughout the city. So like you kind of need to have like uh, like just someone there to like help you out to like for you to lean on, and then for uh, them to lean on you and like use each other's strengths so yep. I can totally see why that would be beneficial than just yeah. if you were doing it all alone or if he was doing it all alone yeah be overloaded. yeah no it, it does definitely help like I've, I've never been on a show without a partner mm-hmm. um without someone like uh like when I first got there I was on like um 7d for like two seconds because that show was actually wrapping up and they just needed mm-hmm. someone to help out with a few things and that was a nice easy show to kind of transition into mm-hmm. then I went to Billy Dilly and I had the guy who was working with on Billy Dilly first. Um, I had two partners on that show because he often went to another show. Um, but he was kind of showing me the ropes. He honestly, like, at one point, he did just, like, let me learn from my own mistakes. Like, I, he, do, he showed me how to deliver my, the first show we did. And the second show, he was like, it's all yours. And I screwed up, like, immediately. And it was a bad time. But I learned what not to do and how to do things um, it was basically, and I had to change a little bit of the show because there was a, we have a seizure test. That's another thing we have to do. We have to make sure oh. that it passes the seizure test so we don't, you know, make children freak out all over the world. Is that like a standard practice throughout all TV animation? Um, I, I some companies, yeah, some companies, some companies do their own. Some companies do their own things. Some mm. companies do. The, some companies will do their own seizure testing. Some companies, I think Netflix does theirs while the companies who make the Netflix shows don't do it. Like, they just might get a report back, like, hey, can you fix this? It was causing problems. Mm. Um, our shows are not allowed to leave the company until they've been proven that they pass a certain and rather strict set of rules. Dang. As mm. far as, and we'll know, it, we have a, we have a, a, some proprietary stuff that tells us, like, this is a failure. 
It tells us how it fails, why it fails, and it's up to us to fix it without altering the, the shot too much. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes it says symbols like dutching, a sh- like a background just a little bit. Uh, sometimes you have a character that's just like the hand flying through the air and it's causing a flash, and you have to either slow it down or blur it or something like that. But mm-hmm. that's part of the Disney legacy of family friendly stuff to make sure that it the does it, yeah the brand don't don't disrespect the brand <laughs> but also don't let the brand cause seizures <laughs> for a second i'm thinking like okay what does a seizure test mean and like it, it, i'm i'm, I'm th- okay i'm guessing that there's at least like a list of things or something there, there are certain things um there i guess there are certain key triggers as medically as far as medical uh knowledge is concerned that can cause seizures um too many bars in the scene either vertically or horizontally oh, can no. cause almost because you know like if you look through blinds and the sun's out there and you look away and you still got that after but that means that you're it, that striping is coming in your eyes a certain way and that mm-hmm. can cause a seizure obviously flashing yeah uh, in some cases too much red oh if okay. there's too much red and it's a too bright of a red billy dilly his hair was red so he set the thing off all the time and drove me absolutely bonkers mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we've had we've had the you know every time there's a shot where they're like lightning more lightning i'm like no no lightning stop <laughs> with the lightning no no, lightning. no flashes no more flashing <laughs> lightning they're like but it's got to be like you know it's got to pop i'm like yes but your show's <laughs> not going to pass and apparently as i've i've understand it as a rumor i've never seen it on like a disney show but i've seen it on other channels where Suddenly the screen just goes black for no particular reason, but only black for a little bit. And apparently if a show still releases something, and this is, I don't know, like I don't see it in animation, I've seen it in live action where it goes black, and apparently that's um, a seizure where the channel just turns it off. Oh, okay. And they're like, no. And then they turn it back on. Because, and like, it, because it failed the Yeah, check? I've never oh, seen wow. it on any, like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, I've never seen it there. I've always seen it on like live action shows. But it has to be, now after a certain point in time, like Adult Swim, if they know it's going to be aired after a certain point in time where it's not meant for kids, like flashing crap happened all the time in Venture Brothers. So much flashing. Yeah. In Venture Brothers, <laughs> they could do it all the time, yeah. but the reason that's allowed is because it's after a certain time of the day, they know what time it's airing, because it's airing late, and because it's not meant for small children. Yeah, they figure whoever's watching it is old enough at this point to know. Does right. that if not you're gonna count get... for feature then? Because incredible. I too. know. I, I sat there. My the... eyes so were many lines. No, I sat I there. Like, I sat so there in the theater. Lines and... in the the in the theater. I'm like, oh my god. Because <laughs> like, as a TD, you do start getting an eye for things. Like whether you want to or not, you're right. going to start picking up. You're going to find errors in animation that are mm-hmm. shows that are yours, and mm-hmm. errors in movies that aren't yours. <laughs> you just you after a while, your brain just turns on. You can't. It's hard to turn it off, and it sucks sometimes. You're trying to enjoy a movie. And you're like that's an error <laughs> that was an emotional scene but i just ruined it because like, i found an error like <laughs> like you see it and you're like dang it <clears throat> but no when they when that happened in the theater i'm like oh my god they didn't warn all these people oh my god we're in so much trouble <laughs> like, like and after after like a week i think a week later posters were showing up print just printouts or showing up in front of theater doors warnings seizure scene yeah in film Mm-hmm. And even video games. You look in the box of most video games. Will in the box somewhere will say video games are known to cause seizures. Yeah. But that's at your own risk. Right. Um, I was I was pretty surprised that that movie released without any kind of warning for that scene because that would have immediately caused anyone to have a seizure. If yeah, I mean, I'm sure they did some research. But Which it was so. St- they, I'm sure they did. Yeah. In a dark room like that, I just I I was very surprised to see a scene like that show up, and I I'm, I'm sure they had their reasons. I just I was as a TD. I was pretty shocked because that's what we're trained not to do, at least yeah. on the television side of things. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're paying money and willfully taking your children into a dark place, if you know they have epileptic seizures, 
I would think you wouldn't take them into a movie theater in the first place because even a regular movie could probably cause seizures to right. a kid if it's if they're epileptic or if they have grand mal seizures yeah. or anything like that. That's on the parent. So I guess mm-hmm. because it's a theater, there's more leeway. But in a home, it's coming to you. Right. You're not going to it. Mm-hmm. You're not paying so for it. You're not paying for it directly. Mm-hmm. So there is less liability. So it's more on us to make sure what we're providing is quality and safe rather than you paying like 16, 20 bucks to go see a movie and you're going to it and you're willfully putting yourself in that dark room with the bright flashy light. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Why? Te- I think technical directors are just animation superheroes. Yeah, right? they're just the heroes. Y'all, y'all say <laughs> day. We get, we get called genies. Not the will Summon the genies. We needed them to save yeah. us. Sometimes we, they don't, sometimes they're like, hey, this scene and this scene are similar. Put them together. I'm like, uh, you still what? do it, but you didn't want to. <laughs> but and it's still you still pull it off. It's mm-hmm. it's a matter of just doing finding a way. Like I said, a lot of technical directing, like tons of technical directing, is just creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the time, mm. unless you're like just turning off a layer and like click render paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> click render page. <laughs> so uh, technical director, that's a very technical job. I'm curious to know um, if. Uh, aside from what you do career-wise, uh, are you interested in story? Like, I, I guess, um, like, do you want to pursue like another path eventually, or are um, you are you like happy like keeping going forward with uh, being a TV? Or, I like, like what's the next step? Yeah, I like that? I like being mm-hmm. a cog in a big old machine. I mm-hmm. enjoy that. Um, it's not a lack of ambition. It's just I like working with people and I yeah. like working in a group and I like producing. I, it's it's easier to feel like you've done something when you've done something with a bunch of other people and mm-hmm. you can all cheer at the same time that like look what this group of people did together right. um that being said i do have a lot of stories and i do have a lot of characters that i've made over the years tell us about your ocs <laughs> yeah. truly i was trying to get to what type of side projects yeah. um as far as side projects i don't know what i want to do with them i have ideas that i've always wanted to see be a show or be a motion comic there i have always had a big inter- a big idea in the motion comics because that means i can still draw but i can also animate and put yeah. animations in there and i've always there's some really cool motion comics out there like ryan woodward had um a yeah. few out there right um that stuff watchman one was pretty good the wa- yeah like even so even like you'll see video games do a little bit stuff like that too where right. you'll you'll see like like those little like like Blizzard's known for that, where it's not a gorgeous, you know, god tier cinematic. They do like god tier comic book cinematic, where right. it's still gorgeous and unobtainably good looking, but it's moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that can be done in After Effects. That can be done in Harmony. It depends on how you build it. And I like stuff like that. I've done like moving pictures. I'm like, oh god, years ago on DeviantArt, I would just do like little pictures with a little bit of I, you know, I had to give up on DeviantArt because it was making me feel bad about myself. Back oh. in the day when you were trying to learn how to do art and you see everyone doing better art than you, you start getting down yourself. So I cut DeviantArt completely out of my nightly internet-y things years mm-hmm. ago, and I really haven't gone back to it. Uh-huh. Just go so. to Tum- well, Tumblr's kind of weird. Yeah, Tumblr's right? it. Um, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram. I'm, I'm at a point yeah. where I'm not as, let's say, professionally fragile about what I can do and what I can, the artwork. I know my artwork's getting better, mm-hmm. and I make steps to make sure my artwork is getting yeah. better. And so when I go on Instagram now... Instead of feeling bad about myself, I look at what did they do and how did they get to. I love looking at tutorials, stuff like that. Like when they're like, they hear my step by step, I sit there and I just stare at it until I figure out, oh, that's cool. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. What are your secrets? Tell me, I need to know. Yeah, I love when like Instagram artists 
have that like the, work in progress like yeah, video mm-hmm. thing. I just or, love the the fast the sped up of them working. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like my the favorite. Lips, I love oh, Creature Box had a couple back in like 2007, 2010ish. They were so good. Mm. Um, but yeah, like watching stuff like that really helps me. Um, I've made a lot of steps since I not just even before Disney, but I was making a lot of steps to if I could afford it online classes and tutorials right. so i have a yearly subscription to schoolism mm. i have a yearly subscription to aaron blaze's creatureartteacher.com he's oh, okay. a he's the animator who he, brother bear was his film yes um sadly rest in peace uh legend of timbo that was going to be his film um mm. which i was very sad that I got canned that was a sad situation um out of digital domain i believe now school is in the subscription because i was just recently talking to someone about this yeah. that is it's monthly and it's critiqued or is it like, oh, like how does it work okay so the way it works is um there are two there are three different payment systems theor- theoretically speaking there is a monthly which you can it's like we used to be 15 then it was 30 um once you got in at 15 then it stayed 15 for a while which is pretty oh. rad that was pretty awesome um eventually though, i like i just did for a year because that made more sense like economically mm-hmm. um so it's you pay a monthly fee and you can do any class you want at any rate you want. You're just watching the videos and learning. The critique, which is goo gobs of money, I've only done it once because I really, really, really wanted feedback. Um, that is the typical eight to nine videos, which is one video a week where you're learning and then you're sending in homework and that homework's getting critiqued and a video is sent back to you okay. of the person critiquing it. I did that with Terrell Whitlatch. Who is a god among creature designers? <laughs> um, if you've ever heard of her, um, like all the stuff, all the one through three, and all the think of recent stuff of Star Wars, those are all her creatures. Um, like Sibulba, Jar Jar, all those cool creatures. What? Not their personalities, but their creatures. <laughs> Disclaimer. 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 <laughs> she didn't make them crappy. It's not her fault. She's made them look cool. She is a god among artists, but she can't control what comes out of their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she. She looks like this cute little librarian, but she Aww. draws the most badass animals and creature designs. And knowing the anatomy, it was her class was hard, mm-hmm. and I did it during the holiday season, which was oh. a huge mistake, <laughs> terrible idea on my part. But I learned a lot. I learned now I know anatomy for creatures. I know the names of bones. I know oh, the names right. of muscles. And because she made you like like she's like all right creature character. But you couldn't just draw the character. You had to draw the skeletal structure, oh. then the muscle structure on top of the skeletal structure, oh. and then the fully skinned, furred creature. It was hard. Dang. But And then she critiqued me back. And so sometimes I would ask questions like, hey, scales are hard. What is your way? How do you look at scales in a useful manner, both on anatomy and just the technical term of drawing them? And she, in the critique I got back from her when I did the reptile one, she talked about scales. So Schoolum is, is great for that. Those are limited. You can only so many people get in though. So oh, those are very right. limited when you're doing the critique, and they're only certain times of the year when the person has time. Right. But the but the videos that they did with those are available all the time if you're doing the monthly. Is the critique one portfolio based or is it? Just there I did I did have to send in some artwork okay. to prove that I was worth the instructor's time to. You know, right. show it's, me. Right. It's like, right. are you just doing this as a hobby, or is like, is this like 
are you trying to learn something yeah. legitly? Because they'll, they'll suggest you just read, watch the videos, you know? Right. So right now I'm going over Tonka House's Painting and Light, oh, yeah. okay. um, which is really cool because I'm, I'm trying to get better at painting um, and, and character design. So I've gone through the character design with Steven Silver. I've gone through the character design of Walter Tolk. I always say his name wrong. Walter Tolk. Walter Tolk. It's European. I always want to say Walter. I want to say Walter. It's like Walter Tolk. Yeah, yeah. You want to say Tulip. It's like Walter Tulip, but it's not right. Yeah. No, his is phenomenal. If I had to recommend one for character design, his is fantastic. He does, it's, um, teach it's a introduction to experience um, like express, like really express, oh, expressive character design mm-hmm. is what his is. It's a fantastic one. It's one of my favorites. Um, and then care, and then uh, Aaron Blaze has his own website. He also does live streams and talks to people every Tuesday and Thursday on YouTube, Twitch, and like Facebook. I'm a huge fan of him, so I love telling people about his stuff. He also has like 11 billion brushes that he'll sell right. to you. <laughs> Y'all getting that good information? Listen yeah. closely, okay? Yeah. So, schoolism.com and creatureartteacher.com. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've been getting brushes from Group Brushes recently, which is it's like G-R-U-T. Group Brushes? Group? Grip or Groot? It's a Groot. 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 I'm Groot. I'm Groot. They have some really cool brush packs and paper packs that I've been using. It's it's weird. Like I feel like when I have these things, and a lot of people do that without... It's, it's weird because you see people do cool things and you're like, I want the stuff they have so I can do cool things. But you kind of forget that you need this to learn mm. and the skills to do the cool things. But for some reason, having some of the stuff that I have um, and this, this stuff that I bought and brushes that I found. Yeah. It, the less digital for me right now, I'm in a place where I'm trying to do things digitally but not make it look digitally. And not keep it away from the digital look. So the more it looks like watercolor or paint, the happier I am. Mm-hmm. And with the Photoshop stuff I've been picking up, I've been like, it, it makes me feel good having it look like paper rather than look like digital. Because I used to hate the digital stuff I did. And that's all I do. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, a lot of people talk about how they hate their own artwork. And it, it takes some time to learn to love your artwork. And sometimes you just have to do a lot of experimenting. And that's what I've been doing since I've been at Disney. Because now I don't have to worry about doing the art that I think will get me a job. I can do the art that I want to do. Yeah. And consequently, when you start doing the art that you want to do, it gets you more notice and gets you more jobs, actually. Mm-hmm. People start coming to you because they can tell you like what you're doing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, like, what, do what you like and whatever else will come, whatever that they're saying is. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Sorry, the way you were scratching your face just now reminded me of like anime boys. Yes. How both of you? Serious time. <laughs> um, I'm activated by Chuck. <laughs> I've watched enough anime to know where this is going. <laughs> I'll say it again. Black people love anime. This we, just keeps coming up in all our episodes. We do. <laughs> There's, I'm actually part of a black nerd Facebook group. Really? Yeah. You'll have to point me to that. I will have to point that out to you. It's really funny, but it's always nerdy stuff. Nerd stuff is good. Yeah. Um, yeah we call ourselves blurds. Blurds. Being a blurred is good. We're blurds. I, bl- I blurred that. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're turning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're just here. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but typically around this point, we have our listeners send in Twitter questions, and we have. 
Un question for Un you, question. Christina. Okay. You kind of spoke on all of this already, mm-hmm. but I suppose we can kind of like reword the question a little bit. Sure. Um, Taylor, or at Celestial Tabris, asks, Fun. What does a technical director... Te- I can't speak English. What does a technical director for animation do? <gasps> Surprise face. Do you need more writing experience for that kind of role? And you kind of spoke on that hmm. in depth, but... Asking about writing is kind of interesting, and I'm curious to know, like, do you think knowing writing would play into that? Or, like, any type of, like, Hmm. I don't know, part of that? I actually did do writing when I was younger. Like, my mom always said I was a good writer. She was a language arts teacher. And wasn't like, my mom thinks I'm handsome. Like, she she legit thought, (laughs) like, I was, like, a decent writer. Um, And that's where I did come up with a lot of stories. Now, as for technical directing... In a nutshell, no, because you are post production. Everything's mm-hmm. already written. Cards are all, you know, all the cards are on the table. Everything's animated and done. That being said, if you know the show well enough, mm-hmm. um, and, th- and if we're a season in, I would like to think I understand how the characters think. I like to think I understand how the show creators think and what they would want. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, if I see something that I'm like, that seems weird. I'll either bring it up with them or take the initiative and fix it myself. They might not even notice I fixed something. Them being the writers or them being like the show execs? Usually the show heads, the show execs. But every once in a while, like um, Monica Ray is like a friend of mine on the show. She's one of the writers. I'll go up to her and ask her a question sometimes. Be like, hey, was this, especially if it's her show. Sometimes it's not her show. There would be different writers for different episodes. But especially when it's her show, I ask her why you did this. So knowing your crew, knowing your show, knowing your characters... Mm -hmm. That can help you make decisions down the line when you come up against a scene and you're like, something seems weird. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a dialogue or especially if it's just the way the character looks. And you know, writing-wise, that's not how they might act. You just, it, it, in other words, continuity. Actually, right. it has a lot to do with continuity, which is writing does sometimes. But um, yeah, as for writing skills, no. You don't need writing skills to be a technical director because you're post. But as far as being aware of how your show functions and how your characters function um, and knowing your universe, a little bit, I think. Mm. Just to move things along a little bit faster. Mm. I'm kind of speaking into that really quick. Because um, your first like full-on in- animation industry job was being a TD, as you are now, correct? Yes. Well, if you don't count what I did in Michigan, right. then first LA stuff was really... The first LA stuff. Where I'm actually working on a show was technical directing, yes. Okay. But is there, like, a... If you're just out of school and you want to, like, really be a TD, like, that interests you. Is that something that someone who's fresh out of school could do? If you or had... Or do you need, like, prior experience, like, boarding or, like... I think you could, if it, like I mean, that. knowing how to draw helps, especially if it's a show where maybe they would rather send it to you. At this point, the show knows what they can send to me that I can get done quickly, mm-hmm. rather than having to send it back to the artist overseas. Mm-hmm. They might give it to me because they know I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it might, it's, it's almost like you could, yeah, if like, you what's knew the- prereq? Really, the prereq for the, for me getting in, Hard to explain because all I did was show them my demo reel, mm-hmm. which showed that I knew the programming. Because a technical director isn't a skill base where you have to show you understand light and 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 mm. weight of characters when they're animating. It helps having an animation background. Certainly helps because you are retiming, you are drawing sometimes, you are compositing. But a lot of it was what I had in my demo reel, which was showing that I knew the programming well, how I could build things, how I understood how to move them how to animate them. Mm-hmm. 
it had really nothing to do with what I learned in animation school as far as the art side of it, as far as the, like, the 12 principles. Sure, a little bit. Yeah. It's to prove that you can animate it, because that helps. Rather than send it back, it saves money for the studio, and it saves time for everybody else. Right. Yeah, because, like, cause like, being a director is, like, it's, like, one of those high-level positions, I, I guess, in, like, the boarding pipeline of things. And then the title technical director, it makes you think, like, you're, like, up there on par with like directors because like as we said before yeah. you guys are the last line defense like you are the superheroes of we the are yeah we're it, it's it's a weird amalgamation of knowing art knowing animation knowing programming and then knowing how to file wrangle mm-hmm. it's a weird job that is kind of neither here nor there as far as what you're doing with your time Sometimes I'm sitting around waiting for something to render. Sometimes I'm sitting around waiting for the last file to come in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm doing redrawing chunks of the background. Like I've learned more about Photoshop in the last two years at Disney, just fixing backgrounds to help out our art director, so he didn't have so much to do. Mm-hmm. Doing minor fixes, like this bush looks funny. So I learned how to use Content Aware. I'd never used it in my life until I started working at Disney. Now I, I know how to use Content Aware, and it's great. What's that? Yeah, what's that? Content aware, it, there's two ways to do it. You can do a fill where it looks at the, you have a hole in your artwork maybe, and you circle the area and you're like, fill this in with things around it. And it'll look at the colors and the patterns around it and fill in that gap, which is pretty friggin' awesome and extremely useful. There's also like a, you can do like a lasso. So like if you have a textured area and you had to, for instance, take a title out of that textured area, now you have a, you could paint it blue again, but the texture's gone. I can take a lasso of the textured area and then drag that over to the area that didn't have texture and suddenly it's kind of, the computer is doing calculations to figure out how much texture can make it look like the area you brought it into and just like kind of keep doing it again and again. So there are things I like, and now I, now I know how to use like adjustment levels and adjustment layers like a champ. I never used to do that at all. <laughs> I, used to, I used to look at people's artwork digitally and be like, oh god, they know so much. And come, you come to find out in the end, they're just doing like, they're just copying like their entire image, like brightening it up and then doing a layer mask over that and just <laughs> erasing little parts of layer to make little parts brighter, little parts more contrasty. Mm-hmm. You're thinking they're, they're doing it in their head and they're like art gods and they're really, they're just dick around in Photoshop for the last 15 minutes of their painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like putting the finishing touches on it. And that's the kind of stuff I learned at Disney. I'm like, holy crap. So I'm learning things that I didn't expect to learn. And I'm doing things I didn't expect to do. Mm. And you get sometimes you get called to do weird stuff on a show, but it still is within the realm of technical directory stuff. And do you feel that those things that you're learning currently are like helping you with like your personal artwork, oh, or personal stories? God, that you yes. Want to tell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning. I don't know if I want to be a show director because <laughs> oh. like, how much running around they have to do. I'm like, I don't need that stress in my life. <laughs> I like going home and relaxing. <laughs> um, that being said, like I said, it's not for lack of ambition. I just think I need to find my way of doing it. Yeah. Where and this is a problem that show heads and people who want to do their own content run into all the time. Of you need that producer, you need that distributor. But you don't want to be told what to do, right? And that's it's like always your baby, the, but... it's your baby. And I think the best way to do, to deal with that is make babies you don't care about as much. <laughs> if that makes sense, if that makes sense, it's like, all right, name a character, name a show, oh, pitch. <laughs> and then like the ones that you hold dear, those are the ones you make the motion comics. Those are the ones mm. you do the doodles for, at, like mm. four in the morning because you can't sleep. Those are the things that you you baby and you love and you give to the world in small little bits and pieces. And then you kind of find out if people 
want those. Okay. And you can kind of do it at your, like, that's what I want to do with the motion comics because I feel like I can, I have 100% control over it. I can control when I do it. I can control what parts are animated. No one's going to tell me what to do. But the way the internet works right now, you will get feedback for good or bad and that's you putting yourself out there in the world in your own way. So, it's just something I still have to do, but it's something that is still planned. But I'm not forcing myself to, because when, then when you start forcing yourself, that's when it stops being fun. Yeah, and it becomes, like, work, and you, you just kind of lose yeah. the drawing. There were, there were a few years where I just stopped drawing because it wasn't fun for me anymore. Our school made it not fun, actually, mm-hmm. and I had to get over that. It took a while to—I drew so much in college and high school, like, late high school, and then coming out of art school, I'm like, I don't want to draw. I don't want to draw for fun. I just want to play video games and try and get an art job, which is hard to do when you're not drawing. Right. And producing more new artwork and getting better at your skill and trade. So that took a while to get over. And once you did, you're, you're fine. So I like, do a little artwork like once a week or so. Here's a question. Um, you, As a technical director, you have to know, I guess, the, the program that you are technically directing. Yes. <laughs> inside and out. Um, uh, do you have to know programming for like actual like coding, Script. like scripting? Uh, yeah, it would be great if I did, and I have <laughs> some some ambition to actually learn JavaScript, which is what Harmony uses mostly. Mm. Um, I learned a little bit of Python. Sometimes Disney does little classes if you want to learn stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I learned a little bit of Python during a Houdini class. Um, if you ever wanted to make your own video games, obviously, knowing Unity, stuff like that. So there is some part of me that does really want to learn scripting, um, especially because scripting in Harmony can really expedite doing things. And it's, I think, probably the most desirable thing you can be besides knowing Harmony inside and out is knowing Harmony inside and out and then also knowing how to make your own scripts. Because mm-hmm. then everyone wants you because then you're making scripts for you, you're making scripts for the studio, you're making scripts for the show. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, scripting is important, but also JavaScript is kind of slightly outdated and oh, a little bit okay. hard. Yeah. And But if I knew scripting, I could put some really cool stuff together in Harmony. And it is something that if you want to hit that niche and you know maybe just knowing Harmony isn't enough, knowing scripting then is the next step to make yourself that desirable hire, mm-hmm. I think. One last question before we wrap it up, because it has slipped my mind okay. until now. Um, like Wayman, you mentioned programming stuff. Mm. I know that the standard is Toon Boom Harmony and whatnot, but do you find that if someone had like Adobe CC Animate in their their pro- portfolio, do you think they would be like able to transition over to Harmony some, and do the job? Or some people can transition, some people refuse to because Harmony is scary and spooky and big and has nodes and stuff and doesn't run the same way i personally even in college taking flash classes hated flash with a brain passion or mm-hmm. animate whatever you prefer to call it mm-hmm. hate working in it can't stand it won't touch it <laughs> it's not even on my computer like if if i actually pulled enough clout once at an ad studio where we were doing an ad i can't remember if burger king something some kind of it was in Hollywood. A food. A food. It was a food. I think it was Burger King. Food. Eat it. Yeah. I think it was Burger King. And they're like, okay, we're doing this in Flash. I'm like, no. No, like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> no, I told them I'm either going to do it in Harmony or I'm I'm going to pass on this job. And they they had a limited amount of time. They really wanted it. And um, they let me do it. So I did my stuff on Harmony. And this particular fellow who was a butthole. <laughs> I will not name names, but he was very extremely rude and hell bent on making sure. And this is you're gonna run into people like this in the industry. You're gonna run into people 
who are more than willing to sabotage you to make themselves look better. And this fellow was all about and it. And that's why you fight them in the pit. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- well, this uh, I got my comeback a few times with this particular guy. In not in any way directly, just in in the sense of like, I guess a little bit of pride, but also a little bit of like, haha, got so. you. <laughs> so in this particular case, he was up and cussing every five minutes because Flash crashed on him. And I'm just like, doop, 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 you know, because Harmony rarely crashes. You have to work real hard to crash that program. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, he's up there cussing and fussing because his whole thing crashed. I'm just chugging away. So that, that way, that, that felt good because he was adamant about not switching and not letting Jeez. me switch. And then he also was really, this particular situation, he was very much adamant on making sure he had the best shots. And making sure that where I could have excelled and really helped the, the, the situation out, he made sure I wasn't on those shots. Mm. And put people who were having a much harder time. And these were friends of mine. And they're like, please help me. I can't figure out how to do this. And I'm trying to help them while he's trying to get me to go back to the shot that I actually hated. Because it was something that they would have done better on. If they had switched us on these shots, it would have been perfect. But he was willfully, even if the director told him, if she can do this better, let her do it. He still didn't let me. Because he was the director on the project. Mm. So he still kept me away from those particular shots. And then I passed reference that would help my friends out. Mm -hmm. And then he came back around and started passing that reference around like he had found it. And at this point, and at the same time, my husband, who was also working on the same projects, we often came in a pair. Like, we were a pair. (laughs) For those early years, we were doing a lot of freelancing. We were a package. Mm. It was a package deal of two Harmony people. (laughs) And he was like, oh, yeah, Christina gave that to them. And this particular person promptly stopped, you know, he even stopped using them. He was really not happy about me. I don't know if it was a – and it's a – it's probably ego. Again, if you're in L.A., you're going to have egos to deal with, including your own. Preferably not your own, but just be prepared because that was one of those situations where it was just an ego. This guy had an ego and he was just not not having me doing anything better better than him. And I'm like, all right, cool. It's fine. You live your life, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he is. I, I think I think I have an idea where he is now and he's still working, which is good. No one yeah. needs to be jobless. Right. But don't be a butthole. Yeah. Right. Because so. you never know if you're going to run into those people again. Exactly. Like, like if, if this person ever came up to me and was like, hey, can I get in the news? They'd be like, be like no. Uh, <laughs> Probably not. Unless you've proven that you can A, use the programming, and B, aren't a jerk about, you know, what you can and can't do. So, and that's a, that's another thing. Don't be a jerk in general in Hollywood. Don't have an ego that's too big for yourself. And uh, don't be a jerk. Because you never know who's going to come back around and be helpful i had an email once the same same line of thing line of thinking person i believe from england sent me an email like hey i saw your tutorials on harmony and toon boom cool and then he went on to say honestly i think you're just doing this to get attention back to your website then the next paragraph and he continues to describe how i'm just doing this for myself and not trying to help people then the next paragraph he asked by the way i'm really looking for help on how to learn harmony can i get some advice from you and I did not answer this person because I knew what? the black was going to come out. So I'm like, <laughs> before I get You're myself like, in boy. trouble, yeah, boy. <laughs> so before I got myself in trouble, I pulled back, showed it to a few friends because it was funny. Because I'm yeah. like, seriously, don't, things not to do mm-hmm. to a professional is compliment them on something they did, tell them they did it for the wrong reasons, yeah. accuse them of doing it for the wrong reasons, and then ask for their help. 
I never answered him. He never heard back from me. What did this person think was going to happen? Like, hey, I like you, but by the way, you you kind of suck. But also, please help me I'm out. I'm like, like what? I'm like, I, I I guess he Oops. maybe. I I I chalked it up to probably just someone who didn't socially know how to address not only a professional but a person, just yeah. another human being. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just I'm like this person. I'm just gonna leave it alone. I'm not gonna answer them. I'm not going to correct them. It's not my job to correct this person. Right. Um, so I wish that person the best of luck. Hopefully they learned how to use Harmony better like they wanted to. But don't talk to professionals like that. <laughs> don't talk oh, to anybody like that. Right. So and so it kind of became a running joke between my friends. He um, he signed off with kindness regards. So kindness regards became our uh, code wow. word for <laughs> F-U. <laughs> like, oh, my basically. God. So we'd sign off online kindness at night, like, kindness regards. Kindness regards. <laughs> exactly. It's like, so bless it, your heart. Yeah. No, like, bless your heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly bless your heart. Bless your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. That's cautionary tales. So, uh, as we come to the end of this podcast, I'm interested to know, uh, what type of stories are you interested in seeing more of uh, in animation? Hmm. I am... A big old like Tolkien fan and Redwall fan so anything Redwall, yeah. he, uh, hero's journey any hero's journey is gonna be automatically my favorite thing um I put Tolkien and Redwall together because they're similarly not written I can't say written but the way uh, you yeah, obviously you tell like you're a Redwall fan so you know oftentimes in the books now that final battle these guys are battling over here. These guys are battling over here. And somehow in the middle of battling, they all meet up each other and they all go, yay! And they all go fighting off into the Jumois! distance. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite kind of stories. I grew up on those Brian Jock books and I grew up on, on Tolkien where they all end up together again. They're all like, we did it. Let's go f- kick that thing's for ass. Frodo. <laughs> yeah, for Frodo. And they go running off into, the, you know, some horrible monster's mouth. Um, <laughs> Is it a fantastical aspect of I it? I love fantasy. Too? I love okay. sci-fi. I mean, mm-hmm. I... You know, if I could get, if I could somehow get, you know, Space Mice doing that Cowboy Bebop space opera kind of. Space Mouse Opera. You know, yeah, Space Mouse Opera. <laughs> <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. Like, I My love. Name is Cheese Spiegel. Yeah. Cheese Spiegel. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still a corgi somehow. There's no explanation. Yeah. You know, as a weasel. Oh, man. What if it's just like the great mouse detective, but it's kind of just like. A cowboy beat You know um, someone's writing and writing. That's a fan fiction. Yeah. Like, someone's <laughs> doing that right now. <laughs> it's like, what are we just I get home 20 minutes later and I'm just like, huh. All right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> just done somewhere, somehow. Yes. It's done. But no, like, I do like those big, grand epic stories where the land is vast and there's this character and that character and there's that guy over there and it's just all that stuff coming together and there's always the one hero well not always the one hero it could be the group of heroes i just love when there's a long journey things to fight you know that i my favorite moment is actually the moment where characters come out of the cave if you know like the whole hero journey formula where there's like the gathering of friends the search for the elixir whatever the elixir is Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's always, and my favorite part of every movie is watching how the character comes out of that cave moment where they've hit that dark part. Um, a good, perfect example of a cave moment actually is Trolls. 
Mm. Which is really funny because you wouldn't think that. They're literally in a cave. They're trapped in a pot and everyone's, all their colors drained out. And then mm. they find the elixir, which is music and life. And they all get colorful again and come out and they bring the elixir to the world. And then the movie's over. Hooray. Mm. That's a literal cave moment. Um, Like uh, the first How to Train Your Dragon movie. Your cave moment is Hiccup's fault with his father in the Great Hall. And then literally the door closes on him and it's dark again and he's hit his lowest moment. Like watching a hero come out at their lowest moment mm-hmm. and just, yay, that's my favorite. Mm. Yeah. That is a good, that's a that's great a, moment I, because it's like whenever I see things like that, like I can feel like the blood rushing through yeah, my brain. Yeah, like the coming, coming, coming it's from like the cave. Hard, it's just like yeah. exploding. Like, like, like they're ready oh. to go out yeah. and like be themselves. Yeah. Like. yeah, coming from the cave to bring the return home is mm. my favorite, like, it's like that's my favorite thing, and like you can look at large movie, like large arcs, like Lord of the Rings, the way they did, or like because Helm, the end of Helm's Deep felt very cavey. Like oh, yeah. everyone's in a bad place, no one's having fun anymore. Yeah, they're all like, "Well, we're all gonna die. We're not gonna make it." Yeah, and but they have to do the cave three times. But over the grand expense of the whole story, the cave kind of there is like that that end of two two towers, beginning of Return of the King, where that whole area is just a big old nasty cave, mm-hmm. where you're you're learning out Gondor is just a piece of crap, and then like. <laughs> You know, Mordor is coming in, uh, Dagodur is, uh, like, all the things are coming together, and it's just, like, it's all bad, and then it's, like, yeah, and you're in Riverdale. Oh, man. Oh, the Toy so. Story 3. Oh, Toy Story 3 had a perfect cave, too. Perfect that, that was the cavey cave. Yeah, that's a real, that they're was in the little... dark, they're going into hell. Yeah, their, their friendship was their elixir, and mm-hmm. the friends they made from the first movie is what saves them. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that comes through. That's a literal, and again, a little literal cave. Incredibles literal cave was Mr. Incredible hanging from the thing. His family's dead. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the way it's the way characters rise up, and that's my favorite part of any story. Mm. So if I make stories, I want to at least make sure that's in there somewhere. You got to hit a bad point before you can like be like, yay, right. I have, like, you know, the best sword ever, and you run out and everything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is so true. Yeah. Well... Thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> thank you for was educational yeah. as heck. Yeah, like I learned so much about technical direction. The thing that you didn't know existed in animation. Yeah, truly. <laughs> that job um, you didn't know existed. Yeah. So, where can people find you online if you wish to be found? Um, I have an old website. I haven't updated, but it has my reel on it. That would be shadowbrushcreations.com. Shadow. Um, I also have, you can find me, um, I don't stream art anymore, but I've been thinking about maybe doing it again on Twitch. Um, I'm Risu Quinn, uh, well, I'm sure we'll probably spell it out somewhere. Um, yes. R-I-S-U-Q-U-I-N, I'm Risu Quinn pretty much everywhere, that's also my gamer tag in a lot of places, so oh. play video games. Yeah, but... You're gonna get a whole bunch of people being like, hey, I heard you in the podcast, you wanna play? <laughs> I wanna play some Apex. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm Risu Quinn on, um, Twitter and on Instagram. I do have an Instagram that, that's where most of my art goes to now, right now. Um, my Tumblr's kind of dead, because Tumblr's kind of dead in general. So, um, yeah, Risu Quinn, and, and, like, Instagram basically is where most art goes now. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you have any final thoughts for young black folks that want to be TDs? Uh... TDs, just an, just an industry, don't give up. But TDs, learn Harmony if you're going to do 2D and learn most likely Maya if you're going to do CG. Mm-hmm. And But also know every other program in existence because chances <laughs> are you're going to have to touch it at least once while you're working somewhere. Mm-hmm. So. Live, eat, and breathe those programs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Okay, well, 
Thank you. Thank you so, so much, much for being on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun though. <laughs> yeah, this was great. My first podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. To keep up with us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Black and Animated. And be sure to listen for more episodes on blackandanimated.podbean.com and on iTunes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of the respective individual and do not reflect the views of our employers. Thanks, guys. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>